The scripture reading in the text for the preaching this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We read the first two verses and then verses 15 through the end. Actually, we can go back to chapter 4, verse 1. Just want to show you a little bit. Here in the second half of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's calling them to walk as God's children, as, as the body of Christ. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Then chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. And then chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers or imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And now we jump down to verse 15. Again, the exhortation to walk. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Then he quotes verses uh, from Genesis chapter 2. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then he carries on and says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular 
So love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So far we read God's holy word. The text is verses 22, 24, and the last part of verse 33. 22, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then the last part of verse 33. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That is the overarching theme and the foundational principle of this baptism series that we have been slowly working through. We want homes, we want families and marriages that are established according to the instruction of God's word. If we don't build our homes God's way, our homes will come to ruin, our children will suffer, and God himself will show us the folly of going our own ways. Well, in this series, we've had four sermons so far, and in the last two sermons, we've looked at the calling God gives for husbands. We've looked at the blueprints for husbands in the covenant home. And in those two sermons, we saw especially two things. First, we saw that the husband is given the position of loving headship. And among other things, that means for the husband a very humbling position. Because the husband is given the calling to reflect Jesus Christ himself to his own wife. The husband is given the calling to serve his wife as her head. Just as Jesus says in Mark 10 verse 45, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, to be served, but to minister, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The husband's calling in reflecting Christ is to lay down his life for his wife. He loses his life for her. He's responsible for her. He's called to manage the marriage well, to lead her, provide for her, protect her, to even be a faithful example for her. In a word, he is to love her. That's the husband's calling. Love his wife. And second, we saw in the last sermon that the husband is given the calling to dwell with his wife as a man of understanding, in just the same way that Jesus dwells with his bride, the church, as a man of understanding. Well, this morning we move on, and now we look at God's blueprints for the wife. What is the wife's calling in the covenant home? We have one sermon this morning on the wife's calling to loving submission, and then, Lord willing, we will have a second sermon on the wife as well. We take as our theme this morning... Blueprints, number four, the wife's calling to loving submission. And we look at that theme under three points. First, we look at the high calling, what is submission. Second, we look at the specific manner, how she is to submit. And then third, the holy motive, why she takes on and wants this to do this. First, the high calling to submit. I think when we come across that word submit, maybe even especially in the context of marriage, and we hear this calling that the wife has to submit to her own husband, we might get a little uneasy. 
and maybe a little apprehensive. And I think that's because of a few things. On the one hand, we know that this idea of submission is offensive to the ungodly culture around us. And on the other hand, we also know that there is the inclination on the part of sinners to twist and misuse this word of God to try to make it say something that it's not saying. On the one hand, we do live in a society that, that pushes against this idea of submission. We live in a society, generally speaking, that hates the idea of subjecting oneself to someone who has been placed in authority over them. And especially with marriage, we live in a society that mocks and ridicules the idea that a wife is to submit herself to her own husband. And the reality is we look at our own hearts and we can see that this dwells within us too by nature. That's true of us as husbands. That's true of us as wives and and it's true of us as single members. It's true of us as children. This, this putting away this calling to submit. And we need to recognize that inclination in our hearts this morning as we consider the text before us. On the other hand, the reality is also this. We also live in a society where those in authority are inclined to abuse their authority. To make more of their authority than is right. To use this idea of submission as a way to defend dictatorial and destructive and downright evil behavior. And then we look at ourselves there too and, and we see that that inclination resides within us as well. One, one ditch or the other. When we hear this word submission, what we need to be mindful of right away is that this calling to submit is ultimately the calling that is given to all Christians. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord stands at the heart of every Christian's duty. That's Ephesians 5 verse 21. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's 1 Peter 2 verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. This is part of the Christian's response to the gospel that we submit to one another, whether it be servants to their masters, citizens to the civil authorities, children to parents or church members to office bearers or wives to husbands. Submitting to those in authority over us, submitting to one another, having that posture is a basic element of Christian discipleship. That's exactly why in Ephesians 5 verse 24, Paul can write, as the church is subject to unto Christ. That's what characterizes the church and every member of the body. We submit to Christ. Submitting to one another is part of being Christ-like, reflecting Christ. We read in Luke 2 verse 51 that Jesus Christ himself subjected himself to Joseph and Mary. Throughout his entire life, Jesus submitted himself to the law of God. He learned obedience through his sufferings, his entire life was a life of submission to the will of God. I came not, Jesus says, to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I am under authority. And the calling that we have as members of Christ is also to submit, to submit to Christ. And all we're going to do this morning is see how this word applies directly to the wives of the congregation as wives to their own husbands are called to submit. 
The problem we often have besides our own sinful and rebellious heart is this. We often have a distorted idea of what submission is actually referring to, what this concept means. So let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's answer that question, what is submission? And first of all, let us state what this calling of the wife to submit to her husband does not mean. First of all, I think it's very plain, even from Jesus' own example of subjecting himself to Joseph and Mary and to the law, is this, that submission is not grounded in any presupposed superiority of the husband or inferiority of the wife. We touched on that in a previous sermon in this series. A wife's calling to submit to her husband does not imply that in any way she is somehow inferior to her husband. Boys are not superior to girls, and men are not superior to women. No, but the wife's calling to submit to her husband has to do with how God instituted marriage and how he ordained husband and wife to live in the marriage bond. Second of all, submission does not mean that a wife is obligated to follow her husband should her husband try to lead her into sin. And this distinction rests on a correct understanding of the words obey and submit. Obedience and submission are two distinct words with two distinct ideas. Obedience means you simply do what you're told. In, in one sense, it even refers to the outward behavior. You do what you're told. Submission is different. Submission refers to this inner attitude that you have in your heart. Submission refers to this disposition, this attitude of honor and reverence that you hold in your heart willingly yielding to the authority that God has placed over you. Submission is a matter of the heart. And we are called by God to submit to all in authority over us. More will be said about this, but suffice it to say, if there needs to be a choice that we need to make between obeying God and obeying man, we ought to obey God rather than man. We submit to those in authority, like Daniel's three friends did in Babylon, but that doesn't mean we always obey what they tell us to do. Third of all, submission does not mean that a wife becomes a slave to her husband, that she adopts a passive approach to life, that she loses her own personal identity in Christ, that she suppresses her creative spirit and abandons her God-given personality. Just look at the woman in Proverbs 31. She is creative. She is industrious. She is diligent. She is very much active. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Her own works will praise her. She is the virtuous woman whose price is far above rubies. So submission in marriage does not mean that a woman... Uh, the wife must always be the introvert and that the husband is always the extrovert. There's all kinds of personalities in marriage. We understand that. What 1 Peter 3 does say is this, that the godly wife maintains a chaste behavior and in the hidden man of her heart, she has a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now that should characterize all of us because meekness is a fruit of the spirit and we're all part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Just look at the church. Of Christ. She's called to be active and, and as active as she possibly can be, all the while submitting herself to her head, Jesus Christ. That's the virtuous church. Fourth of all, finally, submission does not mean that a wife is silent 
or that a wife does not have her own thoughts. Submission does not mean that the wife doesn't let her husband know what she's thinking or that they never have to hash things out together. They are one flesh. Obviously, if she's going to be her husband's suitable helper, she ought to let him know her thoughts and he ought to want to hear her thoughts. She ought to speak up and make it clear to her husband when she thinks her husband is on the verge of making an unwise decision as the head of the home. Submission does not mean that the wife cannot lovingly speak to her husband even a word of criticism or even try to persuade him to do things differently in in an appropriate fashion. This is part of who she is as your suitable helper. This is part of sharing yourselves with each other. This is part of that one flesh relationship. This is part of the husband dwelling with his wife so that he knows her thoughts. He knows her and he knows how to lead her. This becomes all the more evident when you just think of a wife in a marriage with an unbelieving husband. Can that wife have any thoughts of her own? Of course she does. Truly at the very center of her being, she disagrees with her husband on the most important principle of of all, who God is. And we know that that's not the ideal situation. That's not how God really designed marriage to function. We must marry in the Lord. There's different ways you, you get those situations. Truly such a wife in that situation cannot embrace the unbelieving thoughts of her husband, and yet she is still obligated to submit to him. Her calling to submit does not vanish simply because she has different thoughts than he does. Strikingly, in 1 Peter 3, Peter envisions that the most effective way in which the believing spouse tries to win her unbelieving husband is by her submission to him and showing the virtues of the fruits of the Spirit. Well, having said those things about what submission is not, let us come now to an understanding of what submission is. And I have two points here. We can summarize biblical submission in two points. First, biblical submission means this, that the wife has this inward disposition, this heart attitude of honoring her husband as the authority that God has placed over her. That gets to the heart of submission. That's Ephesians 5, verse 33, when it says, let the wife see that she reverence her husband. She respects her husband. And even more than that, she honors him. She fears him with that that good, holy fear, that reverence. She holds him in her mind as the one whom God has placed in authority over her. She gives to her husband the place that God has has made for him in their marriage. Submission is the heart attitude that says, he is my head, he leads, he takes the initiative. And submission is the heart attitude that says, I willingly and joyfully yield to your authority and leadership. Hold my hand as I walk next to you and walk with you and follow your lead. Submission is the heart attitude that says this. This is is putting it boldly. I actively and freely place my entire person, my entire life, under the authority of my husband. Oh yes, the wife has her own thoughts. She has her own gifts and ability. She doesn't lose sight of who she is as a person. She doesn't forget what her identity is in Christ. That's our identity, first of all, our overarching identity. But ultimately, when the wife sees her marriage as a one-flesh relationship 
and she sees how God designed it, and, Christ, and the husband is the head and she is the body, then she strives to live faithfully as the body, doing his will, following his lead, living her entire life in conformity with her husband's will. And if we think that that's perhaps putting it too strongly, then remember Ephesians 5 verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then we have to ask, how is the church subject unto Christ? Many don't even like entertaining and answering that question according to the Bible. But this is the answer. The church recognizes Christ's authority over her, and the church strives to conform herself to Christ, to his perfect will in everything. The church strives in her very thinking, in her desires, in her hopes, and her dreams, in her work, to conform herself to Christ. She obeys Christ. You might say in all that she is as a person, in the very depths of her being, the church wants to be what Christ wants her to be. That's the model. And in Christian marriage, that's, that's what we're pursuing, a reflection of Christ and his church. And if we still think that's putting it too strongly, that the wife is called to live her entire life in conformity with her husband's will, well, then we need to reflect back on the sermons we've already had, and we need to remember, and we need to be impressed not only now with the wife's calling, but we need to have the husbands be impressed once again with their calling to be that faithful, accurate reflection of Jesus Christ and to conform their own wills, their own desires, their own persons and lives to Christ. And husbands are called to want in their wives, in their own wives, they are called to want what Christ wants for them. It's not my will that, that is the end all. And in addition... Just as the wife is called to submit all that she is to her head, her husband is in the exact same position as he is called to submit all that he is to his head, Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Christ himself had to do. He had to conform his will and his desires and his thoughts, all that he was, to his head, to his Lord, who is God. Not my will, but thy will be done. Let thy will be my will. That's submission. That's 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. The head of every man is Christ. Christ is your head. And the head of the woman is the man, meaning they're her husband. And the head of Christ is God. In this way, the relationship between husbands and wives is different than the relationship between employees and employers, or citizens and civil authorities. Because marriage is a one-flesh relationship. It's like Christ in the church, in which the whole of the wife is taken unto the husband as his flesh. And they are in a one-flesh relationship, wherein he is the head and she is the body. And again, just like the whole of the husband is part of the body of Christ and under his authority. And thanks be to God for that, right? Jesus doesn't just take part of who I am to himself. He doesn't just lead and protect and provide and be responsible for part of who I am. But this is part of my joy and peace as part of the bride of Christ. 
He takes all of who I am to himself. None of who I am is left to myself. Ultimately then, submission will show itself in obedience. The wife follows her husband's directives. Yes, there is that difference between submission and obedience, but submission shows itself in obedience to all things that are not contrary to God's law. Yes, submission is that heart attitude that says, I honor you as the head, but I cannot go along with you when you choose to lead into sin. That's true. But submission does not fail to make clear this distinction between what God commands of me and what my own preferences are and what my own opinions are or even my own expertise. Her submission to her husband is not qualified, it is qualified not by her thoughts or her better judgment or even her expertise, but her submission to her husband is qualified only by God's commands. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So submission means first that the wife has that heart attitude, that inward disposition of honoring her husband as the authority God has placed over her. She submits unto her husband as unto the Lord, recognizing that the Lord has put her husband in this position over her. She follows her husband's directives. She obeys him. She lives in conformity to his will as unto the Lord. Such is her submission that she even grieves when her husband is passive and he is not Christ-like in leading her and guiding her as he should. And that makes her life very difficult. Second, biblical submission means this, that the wife is so committed to her husband that she does all in her power and her ability so that he might reach his full potential as a man of God. That's putting that strongly, but remember what we said in a previous sermon. His life as husband is to be spent dying laying down his life as a sacrifice for her. And now we're saying the flip side, and we're saying, as he is dying for her, so she lives for him. She lives for him. The wife sees herself, and she identifies herself as one who was given for her husband. She was made for him. She was given to him in this earthly life for a short while, as marriage is only till death do us part to fill him up so that he might be the man of God he is called to be. In just the same way that he is given by God to bless her, that she might prosper as the woman of God she is called to be. She was given to him to make him truly happy in the Lord, to enable him to fulfill his calling before God. She is the body, he is the head, they love each other, they serve each other. Submission then for the wife means this. She's so devoted to her husband that she wants him to prosper in the gifts he's been given. She delights that his name is held in respect. She encourages him. She wants him to be honored. And she will see to it that her, she will see it, that her calling is to use her time and her talents for his promotion and for the good of the marriage as a whole. And that means she conducts herself in such a way that through her, honor is brought to him. And if we think that that's putting it pretty strongly, 
then we must remember, again, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their husbands in everything. We're, we're elevating everything here, right? This is Christ and his church. This is what our marriages are supposed to be. And how does the church subject herself to Christ? Well, she lives for his glory. That's what your whole life is about as part of the bride of Christ. The church doesn't say, what do we want as a church? Grace Protestant Reformed Church doesn't say, what are our desires? How do we want to worship? How do we want to praise God? No, the church of Jesus Christ says, how shall the head be honored? How shall Christ's name be honored? How does he want us to worship him? What are his desires? And then what does the church do? She looks carefully into the will of the Lord in the scriptures and she seeks out what the Lord wants done. Why? So that she can devote herself to his purposes, to his task, to what he's doing in the world. That's how we each personally live toward God, whether we are single or married. And in that way, a wife, in submission to her husband, will affirm her husband's leadership and she will help him carry it through. She's not going to be a gossip at church. See, she's not going to cut her husband down in front of her friends. She's not going to try to cut him down in the privacy of their own home. She won't tell everyone his shortcomings. She isn't constantly nagging and complaining, wishing that he had a different job, wishing that he had more money, wishing that, that he would just do better for her. She isn't like that contentious and angry woman. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. But she lives for him and his promotion. And that might look like all kinds of different things as she strives to be that suitable helper. Maybe she makes the home a welcoming place, free from the sinful influences of the world. She protects the home for her husband as the keeper at home, as the protector at home. Maybe she makes him lunch in the morning. She wakes up early. She makes his coffee. Maybe. Maybe she does his laundry. Maybe she just strives to give herself as an example to the children of how to honor those in authority. Part of it involves this. She wants to take care of her own personal devotions because she knows that it's her heart that is the wellspring of life and she wants to be spiritually ready to carry out her calling day by day as the wife of her husband. She's not a slave, but she's a suitable helper so that he might be the man of God he's called to be so that he might fulfill his responsibilities before the Lord. Remember, they're one flesh. They're together in this. And she understands her God-given calling in that one flesh relationship. That was the second thing. That's the wife's calling before the Lord with respect to her husband. Now we ask, how is she supposed to do this? What is the manner in which she is called to do this? We've mentioned a few things through the course of the first point of the sermon. We can be more brief here in the second point. I have especially three things. First, the wife submits to her husband willingly and gladly. Not reluctantly, not with a constant complaint, but gladly. Just think, wives. Remember the day when you made your marriage vows? And you did so willingly. You weren't forced to do it. You did so gladly. 
and you said in your vows, I will submit to him and serve him and assist him. Well, that's the kind of willingness that God delights in day by day as your marriage goes on. The wife submits to her husband willingly, just as the church willingly and gladly submits to Christ, just as Jesus willingly submitted to God. That's first, willingly and gladly. Second, the wife submits to her husband completely. That is, in everything, verse 24 tells us. And then what's also implied is this, always. Not when he is just treating you the way that you want to be treated, but always. Submit. You are to submit. And then what's implied is also this, exclusively to your own husband. And what I would say is this, wives, even if it means hard things of you, you are called to submit. The, the husband has hard things to do too. The wives' calling is, is hard also. The church is called to do hard things for Christ. The Lord requires hard things of the church. Obedience to Christ often means loss and hardship and losing our life that we might be able to find it in Christ. The members of the church lose their lives for Christ just as Jesus first gave up his life for her. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And we need to remember, this is not some great evil that is placed on the church, that now you need to submit to Christ. And neither should wives view it as a great evil that they must submit to their husbands. This is their calling before God. And the reality is, just as the church is blessed in the way of complete submission to Christ, in the way of living in Him and with Him and out of Him, so the Christian wife, when she submits to her husband, doing it for the Lord's sake, submitting, having that disposition and posture, she will know the Lord's smile upon her and she will have that inward joy that she's honoring the Lord. Third, what really sums up how a wife is to submit to her husband, the wife is to love her husband. Love is the fundamental virtue in marriage. And that's not just true for husbands, that's true also for wives. Love and love. The first and great commandment for the wife is not submit. The first and great commandment for the wife is this, love. And now love shows itself in this form of submission and obedience, what we've already described. It's her love that governs her submission. That's the proper form that love takes for the wife. She wants to honor him because she loves him as his body. That's what characterizes the church's relationship to Christ, isn't it? She loves Christ. And what form does that love take now? Submission. That's how the church expresses her love for her husband. She submits, she obeys. Frankly, the church that is not submitting to God's word is the church that's showing signs that she doesn't love God, but she's loving herself. Christ says to you, he says to me as part of his church, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it's interesting too that just as husbands are commanded to love their wives, so in scripture, wives are to be taught by the older women to love their husbands. This kind of love has to be learned. And husbands, 
I ask you, why does the church love Christ? Why does she submit to Christ? Well, you know the verse. We love him because he first loved us. And through his headship, through his loving influences, the church gladly, from the heart, submits to him. He sweetly and powerfully bends the will of his bride by his powerful love so that she gladly submits to him. Fear is not what moves the church to behave the way she does. Love and perfect love casts out fear. There shouldn't be any fear in love. And first of all, Christ's love that we have experienced. That's what moves us. The love of Christ constrains us to live for him. May that kind of sweet and powerful love be reflected in our marriages. That's the specific manner in which the wives are to lovingly submit to their husbands. I think all of that leads us into thinking about the motive. What is the motive for the wife to submit to her husband? And we need to go one step higher now, and we need to say that the wife's motive for submitting to her husband is not just that she loves her husband. That's, that's not it. But she loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's out of her love for Jesus that she loves her husband and embraces this calling to submit to him in everything. That's Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And what does that mean? As unto the Lord, it means this. As part of your love for Christ, and as part of submitting to Jesus Christ as his disciple, submit to the husband whom Christ has united you to. As part of honoring Christ's authority, honor the husband he has placed over you. Do it for the promotion of Christ's name. Do it that the, the head of the church might be honored. I think that's a very fundamental idea. Why do we submit to our husbands? Why do we love our wives? Just because we want happy earthly marriages? Simply because I, I get something good out of it? I, I keep the peace? This is for my own earthly pleasure? Simply so that my spouse might be satisfied? No! We do it for the glory and honor of the bridegroom Jesus Christ. That's what submission to Christ means. We do it gladly and from the heart because we love Christ. And then we must always remember what Jesus did for us and how he submitted himself to his head for us. Not just to his earthly parents when he was a child, but to the will of his heavenly Father all his life long. He put himself under the law. He put himself under the curse of the law. He obeyed the law even unto death. He endured the hard, agonizing, self-denying, shameful, bitter death of the cross. He learned submission. He learned obedience. He experienced what submission was for himself as he laid down his life for you. He knows personally fully what submission looks like. And whether we are married, whether we are single, whether we are husbands or wives, whether we are young or old, 
this is what motivates us in all the callings God gives us, in all the ways we are to submit to those in authority over us. I live this life submitting to those in authority over me for the glory and praise and honor of Jesus Christ, who is the King, who dispenses authority as He pleases, who is my bridegroom, who submitted Himself for me. That's the calling of the Christian. That's what it means to be part of Christ's bride. When closing, let me say a few words first to the young men and to the young women here in church this morning. Young men, when you go about to seek a wife for yourself, the question you need to ask is this. Does she fear the Lord? Not, does she fear me? Does she fear the Lord? So as to submit to Him in all things. That's, young men, that's the woman that will be the help meet for you, who will be the suitable helper to help you serve Christ and bring honor to the name of your husband, Jesus Christ. That's the woman you want as your wife. Her price is far above rubies. Young women, when you are looking for a husband, this is the reality you must put before yourself. If I become his wife, my calling is this, that I submit all that I am to him, following the path he takes in life, and my calling is this, that I give what I am, all that I have to, to be his suitable helper as he is serving the Lord. Young women, find a godly man, a man after God's own heart, whom you as a daughter of God would find it a joy to submit to. Find a man who is striving to look like Jesus, especially in his own private life. He's filled with holiness and he's filled with love for God and his bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And to come back to wives and husbands, those already married, I could propose this. As you together seek to build each other up in your callings, and as you are striving to reflect Christ in his church, I could propose this as a take-home for the sermon this morning. Wives, perhaps you can go home tonight, and when you have some alone time with your husband, perhaps you could ask your husband these questions. Husband, do you believe that I have embraced from the heart your place as my head? Do you believe that I have embraced from the heart your place as my head? And husband, do you believe that I show a pattern of obedience that makes your leadership a pleasure? Do you believe that I show a pattern of obedience that makes your leadership a pleasure? And then husbands, perhaps you could then ask your wife this question in turn. Dear wife, what is there I am doing that makes it difficult for you to embrace my headship? What am I doing that is out of character with Christ that makes it difficult for you as a daughter of the king to embrace my headship in this life? And now you see, it's that kind of love for Christ that ultimately is that desire to be pleasing to the Lord 
that Paul is talking about in Ephesians 5, verse 21, when he says, right at the beginning of all these things, submit yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for redeeming us through the blood of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, giving us Thy Spirit, making us new creations, so that all these exhortations that Thou dost give us in Thy Word, we are equipped to carry out as Thou dost sustain us and strengthen us. Give us Thy Spirit. Etch Thy Word upon our hearts. Bless our marriages the young marriages, the marriages with little children in the home that are going to have a, pr- a profound influence on how the marriage continues to go and sustain them and sustain us all as members of the bride of Jesus Christ. We love him, Lord, thou knowest. Help us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In his blessed name, in who he is as our head, we pray, amen.